From New York City. And New York City. From Brooklyn. <laughs> this is She's in Russia. From the city. All right. Pipe down. You're interrupting my part. This is She's in Russia. I'm Lily. And I'm Smith. I would do a YouTube podcast if I looked this good every time. I did not want to do a YouTube podcast. Hi, Smith. They're so fun. That makes editing, like, basically impossible. It's like everybody would have to hear all the stupid shit. True. And, like, the large gaps in silence. Do they not edit? I mean, they'll edit, like, a little bit, but they can't, like, edit in the way that I edit, which is, like, you know, minute edits. It can't be done. This shit feels like I won't ever make it home. Yeah, so on Saturday evening, we and a large, a lot, a massive a, a group of our friends who we dragged along. A huge group of our many friends. Of our many, many friends uh, went to see Meeting Gorbachev, which is Werner Herzog's new documentary. Yeah. Um, One thing, th- this is inconsequential to the actual plot of the film but one thing i it made me realize was that i literally know nothing about german politics between hitler and angela merkel like if somebody was like can you name a chancellor of germany in that time i would 100 percent not be able to do that i wouldn't even have like an inkling helmet okay yeah me too really to be real yeah i don't know about anywhere I don't know about anywhere except for, like, yeah, I don't know, like, I mean, I I know, like, okay, we're doing this podcast and, like, you live in Russia or whatever, but I feel like even before this, I had, like, a vague sense of what was happening. I don't know with Russia, just, I, there's something about, like... Did you know what was happening with France? Fuck no. Yeah, exactly. Although, I feel like I've been knowing what was happening with France for, like, maybe the past eight years... 10 years? I've been knowing. I, like I have been knowing. I have been in possession of the knowledge. <laughs> but not in like a oh, real France. way, obviously. And definitely not like who was the president or prime. I don't even know what they had. Prime minister of France in like 1985. No idea. Yeah. A pr- basically nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere is accurate except for America and Russia. How about never? How about never? Really about but yes. Yeah, so, so we went to see this movie, Meeting Gorbachev, and it's the format of the of the movie is uh, like uh, Herzog interviewing uh, Gorbachev and a bunch of other people, including uh, like ambassadors and secretaries of state or their equivalents in different governments. So like in the Hungarian government or in the uh, German government, American government. And... I mean, that's it, really. Yeah, that's it. And it, it... He focuses a lot on Germany, in a way. He what? Like, Hungary also gets a lot of attention, mm-hmm. but he does come back to Germany quite a bit. Being a I German. mean, he... Tr- well, being a German slash, like, he, he kind of acts as if he's, like, the ambassador of Germany. Like, there's multiple times in which he, like, takes on the voice of, like, the German people or apologizes on behalf of, like, some German official from, like, 19... 19- you know 75 or something yeah it's funny um but but yeah just going real quick back to the hold on 
I mean, don't give too much of a plot summary. I'm not going to give too much of it, but the I just want to say it's it's not just like oh, it's just a conversation with with Gorbachev. It's like interlaced with archival footage and the narrative of his life from like a very young age. I th- I wonder I wonder in part if the original intent was not to do that, but after meeting him and like kind of coming to the realization that you know he's an old man and it's he's not fully lucid um that it, it just like didn't make sense to make a movie that leans so heavily on the actual conversation between the two of them you found him not lucid yeah yeah i mean it's i think it was like pretty clear like not 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 like he's senile per se but he's clearly um not as sharp as he was like in the other footage that they showed of him you know there was that there was a a uh, clip from that documentary that was made, I th- I want to say in like the nineties, a Russian documentary where they're interviewing and just like his cadence of speech and his like recall and the complexity of what he talks about is like much different than it is now. I mean, he's an old man. Yeah, I mean, sure, but I I found him like he had a really specific charm that was nice, and like I didn't find him overall not lucid i just i liked his mannerism of answering slowly taking pauses when he wanted to and like i mean that's one of herzog's like skills as an interviewer that he lets him just talk and talk and and sort of sit silently and and gorbachev would fill that in sometimes with like just the poignant poignant things that he said and like moments where it was clearly difficult for him which was to me it wasn't like not lucid or lucid it was just yeah he was an older guy so he was speaking more slowly he was taking time to think but it was nice because it's nice when people have time to do that and they can actually finish a sentence and he never seemed to rush like he really thought about each thing he said which seems like such a skill yeah i mean i I guess it's, like, fair to interpret that as uh, some sort of, like, conversational skill, but I interpret a lot of that as, like, his recall just isn't there. And, like, Herzog would ask questions, and he wasn't able to completely answer them. You know, he would, like, kind of zero on one part of it, or he would, like, allude, or he would talk about something that was, like, tangentially related, or he'd have oftentimes, like, very generalized answers. Um, Yeah, yeah. But not not that it was unpleasant to listen to him speak or that it was like invaluable, but the the actual like artifact of the thing made me feel a little sad that this hadn't been made earlier when he had like uh, when he had more of a presence or like more of his intellect remaining. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't interpret it like that at all because like. For me, that's part. That was part of the pathos or like emotion of the movie, which you know I reacted to, was that he is an old man and he's alone and he's old and it's all over. Yeah, and he's in many ways forgotten about or like not important. And yeah, that's part of it for me. That's like the poignancy. But I mean. <laughs> Overall, yeah, I do know what you mean in terms of like the change from his demeanor for sure. If you look at the if 
I mean, they show the footage of his younger self giving speeches, his public presence and stuff. Actually, in the beginning, I it was a very weird feeling because I straight up thought that that wasn't him. Like I was like, that's not Gorbachev. Like that is that an actor? In, like I in thought what it was clip? some kind of be specific. In the beginning, when they first show the interview with Werner, oh, you like the old man. Oh, oh, really? I I thought it wasn't him because I didn't recognize him physically except for the scar, mm. um, which I was like, is that birthmark? like some kind of makeup? Like I think I it's don't a know, birthmark, really, right? not a scar. Birthmark. Sorry. Um, I didn't know his voice. I don't know his voice the way I like know. Stalin's voice, for example. But actually, um, I don't know Gorbachev's voice very well, mm. but I heard like an accent and, and I just was like, I was really thrown. I didn't oh, realize. He has an he, accent. He, yeah, like he has an accent, at least more A pronounced. A Caucasian like. accent? Is that what it is? I don't know. It just like doesn't, I don't know if it's like, I mean, clearly it's from, it's the fact that he's from where he's from, South. which is like southern yeah he has a little southern accent in the term in the sense that he says um his g's soft like yeah i mean i could i obviously couldn't hear the accent but i felt like his speech was like a little slushy or something it was just so weird to me that like i it's not weird for him to have an accent stalin also had an accent lots of people have like by accent i mean like you know not moscow russian or whatever um just that i had like a defamiliarization for some reason with his old self and thought that like this was like a pseudo mockumentary for like the first few minutes and i was like i even whispered to grace i was like that's not him <laughs> oh my god she was like all oh, like yes, it is <laughs> that's not him <laughs> he has a moscow <laughs> no it's not i was just sorry i was just thrown mm. Yeah. Um it, it, for for whatever reason. Yeah, his speech pattern is totally different. It's an interesting documentary to exist because I mean, I think like westerners Americans whatever. I mean, Germans clearly know about Gorbachev, but that Americans know about him too. Americans know about him like he's us. a known person for sure, but he's very known by like our parents. Yeah, by our parents and like this particular documentary is extremely like sympathetic and yeah uh like positive about him yeah and so if you didn't have any other information you would just be like wow you'd come away just being like wow what a great man and like herzog like does that thing where he will like fully declare something that is his opinion but because he's like you know the the documentary filmmaker like carries a lot of weight so like early on he declares like he is a like honest man i can't remember his exact wording but like over the you know, many hours I spent speaking with him, it became very clear that he was an like very genuine and honest person. And he says this at the beginning. And then a lot of the content of the documentary is focused on like Gorbachev's intentions to do certain things with the like Soviet brand of socialism. And so with those two things in mind, like the premise for me often was like, Gorbachev meant well like he was he he was really trying to like make things work correctly and like he failed but he was trying really really hard and like the fact that he got like ousted and everything was a great tragedy and like this sort of like conflation of the collapse of the Soviet Union and like somehow with his own life with his own life for sure and then also like kind of removing some of the like indignity that that came with the collapse of the Soviet Union 
Indignity to whom? The people? No, to Gorbachev. Just being like, he was trying. Like, he was trying. Yeah. There, wasn't, there wasn't much criticism of, like, what things he put in place that oh my god failed no, to, opposite that like arguably led to the end of this end of the soviet you know, like he was the leader at the time yeah it's so i mean it's like highly biased and this is like i guess the way all documentaries are or something i don't know maybe we just have to get over it but um yeah her exactly what you said herzog really likes gorbachev mm-hmm. he personally genuinely likes it they have a rapport and it's very visible and it's very satisfying to the viewer. Like you want to like him with Herzog. Yeah. It's just like it feels good. He has all these really awesome points about um his policy that Herzog specifically focuses on, like disarmament. Um, the disarmament like thing, yeah. helping disarmament was huge yeah like, which i didn't like i just uh, who i wasn't fully aware i wasn't fully that aware either. that either and that actually was something that was pretty compelling to me of thinking about gorbachev as like a good and decent person is because even now he like was talking about disarmament as something that was like crucial for the existential survival of the like globe of society Yeah, like he says something like if you're not in favor of nuclear disarmament, then you shouldn't be in politics or something like yeah. that. Yeah, which is it, which is which really is cool, crazy in like the Trump era. It, well, it is, and especially because like our parents' generation cared about nuclear disarmament, but we don't care at all. It's not like a yeah. thing that is talked about in any real way, yeah. and I don't think our generation feels the like existential crisis that nuclear weapons present because we never had to do like nuclear drills or like feel exactly. actually nervous or all like there's that layer of sur- surreal surreality surreality surrealism sure that doesn't like even when there's like shit with north korea i'm just like meh like seems fake and i just like move along my way because we're like not a close enough to like world war ii to understand the actual terrible impacts or even to chernobyl which is used as chernobyl yeah. yeah like what about exactly what about like yeah i think you're totally right i think we don't it's not real to us and even this like watching this movie gave me a tiny little sort of like i don't know taste of that kind of fear that and like when i went home and talked to my parents about it they were like yeah like i remember that feeling when we like hid under our desks which is like, <laughs> and, like the put stupidest their shit hands ever. on the back of their necks like that was yeah, gonna like, do anything <laughs> yeah exactly uh, put hiding under the desks makes me like angry but anyway um i was <laughs> like, like are get you sure ready for nuclear bomb? fallout kids <laughs> yeah i was like are you sure that wasn't for a bomb drill and they were like no yeah, no but yeah, exactly. And like we The desk is plays such a central role in all like sorts of emergency drills and it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Um we and you know people at that time like acted on that the way the sort of new elite is acting on other forms of world destruction, but like I think on a more mass level people built bomb shelters like uh you know what is that called? Bomb shelters yeah. that are in the ground. Yeah. Um but that there continued to be accidents. Like Chernobyl wasn't that long ago, but it was before we were born. But then, like you know, remember the remember in sorry not China in Japan yeah. in two thousand eleven, yes. like still for some reason abstracted from at least us Americans. Well, it's abstracted from us, and I think that there is also a, a 
whereas the way they talk about it, at least in this documentary, I don't know, but the implication was like, okay, Chernobyl, uh, I don't know. We, I didn't look this up, which is stupid, but like the techno, like the, the negative impacts that like nuclear energy can have when it, there's like a meltdown are what you would get if like a nuclear bomb was dropped. And so people had that like connective understanding at the time. Whereas I feel like, when Japan happened in 2011, like there wasn't, I don't remember there being discussion about like, oh, and this is also what happens if you drop a bomb. Like that connection's been severed somehow. It's like nuclear uh, power plants over accident. here. Accident. Nuclear weapons, which like we don't talk about anymore because we decided they're not so a thing. So you feel like nuclear power plants are more the realm of environmentalist people who want to like not... I mean, or it's a or it's a public health issue, but it's not that that explicit it's connection between weaponry and power plant yeah. is not made as readily. It seems like. Yeah, I agree, and that's yeah. It, it is a really compelling point, I think, in the movie because Gorbachev like consistently held that mm -hmm. position, the position of disarmament, and they did like make actual things happen at the time right. like liquidating a bunch of weapons which is like pretty crazy to think about it, it's really right crazy now. to think about yeah and like start which was something that we talked about on one episode a long time ago and there was one other the international uh, inf treaty something like that but that was it that was the other thing that was funny to me was that the end of the Cold War carries a similar narrative in the in the West or specifically in America, which is like Reagan went tear down this wall and then everybody tore down the wall. And it's just it's really funny how good we are at like insinuating ourselves into European things that happen, like European narratives. But like in my head, it's like, oh, OK, Reagan said this and then the Cold War was over when in reality, like there was a bunch of other like political things happening at the time, like all through Eastern Europe that would cause that to be like, to cause that to happen. Like people were already taking down the wall and then I guess Reagan's like, take down this wall. And like, they're like, yeah, yeah we are already I mean, doing it, bitch. But like one thing that Herzog points out about Gor Gorbachev is that and Herzog, another thing he really likes is his support for the reunification of Germany in particular. Yeah. So, like, Gorbachev's support, meaning not support, but, like, letting it happen peacefully or whatever. Like, not bringing in tanks, right. not repeating Hungary in 56. Like, so overall, like, it's pretty much, I think it's pretty common knowledge now that Gorbachev is considered a positive figure in Western Europe and in, in 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 the U.S. as well, and that is kind of annoying that Herzog didn't problematize that already common image. Like that's just that is the common image in the West, not so in the post-Soviet world. Yeah, I mean, I feel though that the archival footage like made me feel uneasy, and I think that like that could have been intentional. Uneasy about. Gorbachev as a as, figure? As, as, like, a popular figure in the West. Like, there were several clips where, like, Gorbachev is visiting other countries and there are massive crowds of people from that country, like, cheering his name. Like, that's really bizarre to me. And 
made and me you, like, be don't like that it? seems suspect like what is that that his image abroad is like so positive yeah I agree with you it made me kind of feel cringy and it is suspect that and it feels very like western and and um western particularly during the cold war so like having a particular capitalistic anti-communist ideology to latch onto him the way people did and be like this is the new guy this is the guy this is our guy like they, right like I mean, he's bringing capitalism to russia thank god yeah, like and and the whole like the people feels weirder because it's one thing for governments like reagan to be all excited like that's fine mm-hmm. that makes sense but because like better international relations and we're gonna trade more or whatever but like the people did feel kind of fake. I don't know. What, what were they? Like, and they were cheering like Gorby. Anyone in Gorby, government. That's right? what it is. What they're cheering like Gorby, Gorby. Yeah, I think so. But that's I think that's what it is. Like the feeling of like a crowd cheering for a politician no. is off-putting, no yeah. matter who the politician no is. No matter who the politician is. Like I could see people cheering like Birdie, Birdie at like rallies and stuff. <laughs> And I would feel somewhat okay about that. But, like, I can't imagine ever going to, like, see a foreign leader, like, cheering for them. Like, what the fuck is that? Unless, of course, the narrative at the time was that he was, like, spearheading the disarmament movement. And people felt really passionately about that. I think it's more about reunification. I think that it was more about... Reunification. Not just reunification. The perestroika and glasnost, like ideologies of opening up the Soviet Union. I think people were excited about that and like thought that that was the right thing to do. So that brings me to this quote from, I read a couple of reviews of this movie. I don't recommend reading them. Um, You don't recommend? No, like as usual, the New York Times review is just like a fluffy piece of shit that I just can't believe somebody like A gets to have their name in the New York Times and B probably got paid a lot for that. It's so annoying. It like has no content. The New York Times one. I'm not going to quote that. It was just like, I can't even remember it. It was so <laughs> It was so useless. devoid of any actual information. <laughs> it really, it really was You're like, devoid. there's a bunch of it words was together on this page, but there's not really anything being said. It was a summary and then it was like, he tried, but did he? Or something like that at the end. I was like... It's that's fucked up. Were, was writing... Has, do you think writing quality has gone down? Like, was... Were they publishing shit like that in, like, the 80s? Was it that bad? I don't know, but Grace reminded me when I complained about this review just now on the train. She was like, remember? Because I was like, God, the New York Times sucks. And she was like, she was like, remember when you read that Spike Lee review in the New York Times? Oh, God. When I read that Spike Lee review and was so upset. (laughs) You remember? I remember. Because the guy was, like, being, like, we the white people and, like, being all, like, white hate, but, like, in a weird, fucked up way where all New York Times readers are white. Like, it was... Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, the thing... I feel like there's, like, this specific way that New York Times journalists think of themselves, which is that they're, like, I'm a New York Times journalist, so, like, I've thought a a lot about things and therefore I'm going to speak on it. And it's, like, you're just, like, some nerd. Yeah. I hate nerds. I love hating on people, but... Um, okay, so I'm going to read from uh, a review of this movie in the National Review. Okay. And also not a stunning review by any means, but it says, Herzog tells the former leader, quote, the end of the Soviet Union was a tragedy for so many people. Interjection. Not really, Werner. No. But it must have been a tragedy for you personally. Do you remember that quote? Yeah. Remember when Herzog says mm-hmm. that? 
The end of the Soviet Union was a tragedy for so many people, but it must have been a tragedy for you personally. It reminded me of that of Putin saying that the the end of the Soviet Union was a, a like historical tragedy, or he said something along those lines, and people like got mad about it. Gorbachev agrees. I regret it to this day. Yes, it is hard. It is my own internal problem. That part of the movie. I don't remember if that was before the part about his wife's death, but that part of the movie was, like, emotionally intense. Yeah. And it's a beautiful part. I don't know. I just really think that that part was, like, on point. I mean, in in general, I, like, enjoyed sort of, like I said before, sort of agreeing with Herzog and, like, sympathizing with Gorbachev and feeling kind of, like, sympathizing with, with this kind of nostalgia for not post-Soviet history. Sympathizing with... Say that last sentence again. Like, sympathizing with this nostalgia that I think the film held on to, which was kind of a nostalgia for the Soviet era. And it was confusing because it was, like, about the freedom that, like, burst forth that was the end of the Soviet mm-hmm. era and that, like, glorifying that. Yeah. But it was also kind of anti... Uh, or it didn't have anything good to say about the post-Soviet history. Well, it didn't. That post-Soviet history. It didn't really go didn't into really much post-Soviet history, really. Like, it taught, I f- it didn't really at all. No, it didn't really, but it was referenced. Like, Gorbachev speaks speaks about what's evidently Putin's Russia or Yeltsin's Russia. Um, they talk about Yeltsin a bit and Putin's Russia a little bit, but it's only in code. Like, he doesn't ever say Putin's name. Yeah. But, okay, to come back to this quote, he's quoting this, like, yeah, poignant part, in my opinion. And he, the author interjects this little thing where he's like, uh, no, actually, it wasn't a tragedy. Yeah, what the fuck? Who is it like, fucked like, up? Yes, it's fucked up. And like, also, who the fuck are you that you think that you can declare something like that without explanation and for like literally millions and millions of people? So many people, like half the world. You're just like, um, no, actually, everybody was super pleased and happy for the next decade and a half. It's just, it's, it's such a bearing, like, such a clear example of this type of insular, ignorant position that people in the West feel that they have the right to have about Russia or the Soviet Union. Like, the, the concept that... It's obviously good that the Soviet Union fell. It's obviously good, so there's no tragedy. It's just, like, so insular and so backwards and so, like, from... Not backwards, but just, like, from the wrong... From one side and from the side of, like, an American liberal looking in and being, like, obviously they needed democracy, so it was uh, not a tragedy because, like, then they got Yeltsin and everything was better. Just, like... It really pisses me off, and... Are you sure the National Review is a liberal but, outlet? No, it's it's not. It's conservative. No, I'm not sure. It's conservative. They don't have to be liberal. It's just like... But but it totally makes sense that like they're some overall conservative, dick-sucking... But it doesn't matter. No, but it does kind of matter because it 100% makes, makes sense that like some motherfucker who writes for a conservative, conservative magazine would be like just fully like communism bad with like no nuance whatsoever like that's not that surprising that they would say such a idiotic thing it would be more infuriating coming from like a liberal outlet that like claims to have a nuanced and complex view of things but these like fucking 
like there's a a column in their magazine called like socialism is back okay you know? i didn't know so that. they're like pretty okay, i didn't realize it yeah i mean but still that kind of shit like at all where it's like you're like some 33 year old like balding shitty person and you're just like meh i i i read like one book about something where they told me like marx was a bad dude so yeah and like, you don't even get to even pretend to have an opinion the way, like, Herzog's allowed to have an opinion because he remembers uni- reunification. He's from Germany. Yeah. Like, he's allowed to have a personal experience of that, but you aren't. You weren't even born, probably, even if you were. Yeah, you like, <laughs> just go back to be like a little dick sucking maggot turd. It's just, it, yeah, that really fucking pissed me off. And that kind of illustrates this, like, particular type of blind um, positive interpretation of Gorbachev and that period, which was the fall of the Soviet Union. And it's not the only opinion in the West. Obviously, it's like a pretty extreme anti-communist view mm-hmm. um, and very one-sided and very not nuanced, like you said. But that would be like the one end of the spectrum. And then the other end is what arguably a lot of people who live in the now post-Soviet space feel about Gorbachev and that time, and I think especially for an older generation, is not so positive at all. Is much more like about the chaos, about, okay, all the things that Americans associate with the Soviet Union, like long lines, like no products in the stores, like really intense economic uh, depressions and failures mm-hmm. happened in the, in the Gorbachev era, um, and because of the economic reforms, I mean, arguably, I don't know, like, I'm not an economist. I mean, that's not the way that it was it was presented. And in, in the, the 90s after. Yeah, it was. No. They, he, there were lines under in, in during his time. But there were lines on, during his time, but the way that it was presented in the documentary was like, there were lines, there was nothing in the grocery store, and I implemented these new programs in order to get food into the grocery stores. Like, he goes to Hungary, and he's like, how do you feed people here? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that did that was the way it was presented. But what I'm explaining is, like, a view that, like, people definitely have, which is that it's because of Gorbachev. First of all, not just the lines and the lack of food in stores, but the fall of the Soviet Union categorically is a tragedy, yeah. historically. Yeah. Uh, for millions of people and it's not because only of their ideology and like oh i wish communism would have that isn't like a commentary on like oh is it was it a net good or net bad that the that the soviet union collapsed like the thing itself is tragic yeah because like what people always don't care about or forget about is like it happened fairly rapidly like relatively it was a huge shock to like millions of people who were like under the impression that communism would just exist forever yeah and it's not about communism and i think in the end it's about the system that is that exists it's about the status quo falling apart it's about your world and all the things that are like in reality not existing in like a really severe way it's 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 kind of actually it's not really like uh, imaginable for me no it's not imaginable because like because it existed in a very particular closed way it's hard to imagine if you're like the system i think was 
the system. I mean, the economy, everyday life, like things that people did, expectations that they had, like values that they had, rituals that they had, all of that stuff feels like because, feels like was especially shared and common, arguably because of the closed nature and like the not being able to like exchange as much with other cultures for a, a set period of time. So you have that phenomenon and then like suddenly all of the systems that were in place, all of the like, just the fact that the state owns everything, for example, that just like fact yeah. disappears and a small group of people are going to take advantage of that. But most people are just going to be like, what the yeah. fuck? I, I, that, I always wonder like, Sometimes I'll do this thing where I start trying to like speculate like what were leaders that were that do like really specific massive programs or like had a really specific influence on the trajectory of the country like what was their actual intent and I like at some point in the movie I was just like was his intent to bring about the collapse of the so Soviet Union like did he kind of deep down understand that the programs he was implementing would lead to that or did he truly believe that the soviet union could exist in this like medium state between socialism and capitalism and it just like seems so kind of naive that he would have thought that at the time that that would have been an effective way or like or is it that okay maybe what he was trying to implement was like the original version of what china is doing now which is like yeah china a socialist socialist say. country but it's actually just like a capitalistic country and he just it's, like it's an authoritarian socialist and capitalist, <laughs> capitalist. yeah it's, it's where like the state owns and controls a lot of things but people are able to have businesses Pe right? people yeah, yeah yeah people have businesses and like things Obviously. i would I like, I, right and like the, the things, things that, that drive cap like the things like the economic system in china is a, is a capitalist structure of like incentive yeah which is like but, for profit and i feel Pro drive for but, profit and i feel that like is that what he was going okay. for or like what did he think but, was gonna well, happen was he just like oh we'll open it up and like people will be happy and we'll still have communism socialism they didn't have communism but i think yeah i don't know it's hard to speculate in terms of like what his actual intentions were and what his actual thoughts uh in terms of like what he actually thought the effects of these reforms would be i also wanted to just like add that i think the movie does a good job of showing the coup and and the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union, beginning of the end, as being as sort of my perspective on it, which is that, again, a small group of men mm -hmm. decide to do something and there, there may be like mass protests happening in uh, the satellite states and the republics and there's the Berlin Wall and there's all this stuff happening that's sort of like pushing people out of the Soviet sphere. Push, people are showing that they want to be out of the Soviet system. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, that wasn't every person. And, and like within Russia, it wasn't every person. And so in the end, it really is this like small elite making like remember when they're all like, oh, that was so grotesque. They're, they're like gleefully signing um, some document where that's go or like uh, he's like, yeah, we're just going to do this now and it's going to. Oh, something about liquidating the state-owned 
mm. business. Remember that? I don't. And like the other guy like starts laughing and he's all excited because he's like realizes he's making history. It's like a really important moment. Yeah. But it just is like so grotesque to me. Like you know that you're gonna profit from that. Yeah. And most people aren't. And like, but you're doing it in this like sort of ideological cons like pretending that this is an ideological question like we need to give you know get the state stop owning things and give people their freedom or some shit but it's like obviously not about that yeah sorry that distracted from what you said about Gorbachev's intentions no I mean no it didn't distract I just don't have anything to add to that it it, it's I'm I am glad that Herzog made this movie though because I think that his like form of dark humor like yeah I don't the the main like Herzog movie that I feel like I've seen the most is Grizzly Man and in that movie he makes people seem really idiotic and and I think it definitely intentionally so and so it was nice to see him use like a lighter hand here and also his like kind of dark humor was I mean there were like moments when the whole theater was like laughing a lot the funeral the funeral funeral is like it's I didn't know that sequence of events so that was good for me to see it also like it's just like really ridiculous it's like three different deaths of like the president back to back to back and general General secretary Secretary. and yeah yeah it I just love the, the whoever was like the head of operations for these funerals is like Jesus don't even like put that shit back in storage like just keep it like close to the front of the garage because we're gonna need it again <laughs> yeah I mean he obviously like made it the rapid fire editing and everything yeah. that was part of the humor and yeah but it, was it really is funny. truly back to back like you know like one and a half months one and a half years six months that sort of thing the other the other lie that i enjoyed which felt very herzog like was when he was interviewing i don't know what he was some like high up person in the german government i forget at the time oh yeah and he's like he's like do you think that gorbachev is a sort of a tragic figure and the guy goes to start to answer he's like and then herzog like interrupts him is like can you describe to me how Gorbachev is a tragic figure (laughs) yeah do you think that Gorbachev is a tragic figure talk about how he's a tragic (laughs) figure talk about how he's a tragic figure but also this documentary is that listening to that guy he seemed like a perfectly pleasant person I didn't have anything against him personally like definitely re um or affirmed our slash my distaste for listening to people speak german it's like really annoying to listen to because and i think the reason is because it it almost sounds like english like the cadences are really similar this sounds really similar so your brain is doing this thing where it thinks it understands but then it's not so it's like this weird effort it's just like i have a sandwich it's like ich haben sandwich yeah it's like like, shut up (laughs) 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 but but also just I appreciated Herzog's awareness of his Germanness and like his first comment, which I think maybe not everybody enjoyed, but his first comment to Gorbachev is like, I'm a German and probably the first German you met was trying to kill you. (laughs) And Gorbachev's like, oh, no, actually. (laughs) But this immediate sensitivity to World War II Mm -hmm. And to the relations between the two countries, which then Gorbachev, I think, really surprises him in terms of his relationship 
to Germany ends up being like I love Germany. It's like our main. I feel like it's like our brother did, in fate. Did Gorbachev say that, or did Herzog say that? Yeah, like Gorbachev. Yeah, that but the there, end. yeah, there was definitely this like weird like there is a specific like bond with Germany. Yeah, and it was really nice to hear that. But I also appreciated Herzog's like caution in the beginning, like let's not pretend. That there weren't Nazis really recently, and you remember? Yeah. Them. Like let's not let's not pretend like everything's normal. Like let's talk about the fact that like I'm you're an old man. You're 88 years old. I mean, they're both, and old I'm pretty men, old too. Yeah. He's in his 70s, and we remember that Germany yeah. and that Soviet Union yeah. and like 20 million people. And they mention the deaths in in the Soviet Union quite a few, like mm-hmm. several times. Yeah. Though they say, I think they say Russia, but it was Soviet. But still. Yeah, I mean, I think in general the documentary is very respectful. Yeah, which feels really good in the current political environment. It feels good. Like, yes, it's sort of a feel-good movie, and it's too simplifying of Gorbachev's role, in my opinion. And but his legacy. His legacy, and it doesn't give the the other perspective at all, that, like, he's the harbinger of chaos and, <laughs> like... fucked up shit in the Soviet Union that a lot of people don't remember fondly, um, euphemistically speaking. But it, at least for, like, us, for this type of audience, it's, like, kind of feels necessary and feels good to have a movie that's, like, kind of pro-Soviet and kind of It is kind of pro-Soviet. It is also, like, could potentially be interpreted by people with warped brains as being, like, anti-Russia now. Well, that's what I said about because Gorbachev hints at Putin's, yeah. like, because of because of rearmament. They do talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Don't they talk about, like, Putin making... I don't remember if they talk specifically about Putin, but there, he... Gorbachev definitely referenced at least once and probably several times, like, the new... Forces pl- that the took over. The pl- new proliferation of nuclear weapons, yeah. Nuclear weapons, but also just, like, he's like, we tried to do this, but then, like, forces usurped or something. <laughs> he's saying forces usurped. We, I want to go back to, like, how Russians feel about him, like, uh, both how they felt about him at the time and, like, is, is the way he's talked about now sort of, like, with irrelevancy? Yeah, I don't hear people talk about him. Like, even Yeltsin I've heard more talked about than mm. in a negative way also, but... Than Gorbachev, because I just also like our generation like just missed him basically. Yeah, he's mid eighties to the yeah. I mean, it's not that we fully missed him, but yeah, I don't have that much like personal experience. This is just like what I know broadly. Um, but he's never like like he's not included in the like legion of honorable like soviet leaders really is he by like current patriots yeah yeah i doubt it stalin i just Khrushchev, Gorbachev. stalin who Khrushchev. Oh, Khrushchev is also not honorable who are any of them so basically stalin lenin lenin, lenin. Come on, let's get back to our, our unproblematic favorite yeah, I mean, Lennon. he is not unproblematic at no, all. Know, That's the thing. People are like, "Well, he was good. He didn't kill anyone." It's like he literally murdered like <laughs> thousands of people. But it was so long ago, Lily. That was olden times. You know, 
Yeah. You know, I did think actually, speaking of Lenin, Lenin is the man behind the brutal murder of the Lazars, the royal family. True. Which another I, tragedy. It is a tragedy. I'm sorry. We're basically monarchist socialists. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucked up. They were literally just killed in the middle of the night after being in prison for a long time. And, and like, the children, in, too. Yeah. And what is it called? They were under house arrest for like quite a long time, moved to Siberia yeah. under house arrest, lived in a house. Like, and only they thought one that space. they all, all the time, like kind of being told that they were going to be able to escape to like Sweden or something. Right. Like, wasn't the Swedish it's government a, at one point like trying to get them out? Um, I don't know if it was Swedish. It was a different governments were trying to help the Romanovs, particularly Maybe not particularly, but like, for example, uh, Nikolai's cousin was the king of England and he could have yeah. done something. That's true. This and is like, like they're like the cousins. whole family. They're like, Jesus. Yeah, they're families all over the, Europe. And it's not that there was like, there was an ongoing plan to help the royal family escape that was like secretive and underground. Right. This like ongoing thing. Remember, like, Rasputin's like person was involved oh, in Jesus. that and shit. And then it all ended up being, like, corrupted, and the money that was supposed to be helping them was, like, just stolen. And they ended up, anyway, by order of the Soviet government, so Lenin, because let's be real, the leader is responsible for everything. Um, no, but I'm sure he actually is, because... In this case, yeah. not just, like, random yeah. people, yeah. Um, they, while they were in one, well, I think it was in the Siberian town, but, like, they had been moved, or maybe it was Yekaterinburg. They had been moved to, like, a smaller house or something. They'd been living in, like, serious house arrest for years, I think. Taken in the middle of the night to the forest, shot, and then their bodies were, like, put in acid. Ooh. Whoa. So. I didn't that's remember that part. Yeah, that's And brutal. there's all these kids. Yeah, there were, like, four children or something. So, anyway, that was the royal family. And when I was thinking about that during this movie, <laughs> because... When they're, like, making Gorbachev essentially forcing him to sign his resignation, mm -hmm. or he's obviously going to resign. Soviet Union's over, the party's over, Lenin. I was just thinking, like, how far we've come. Like, it's nice they didn't shoot him. <laughs> yeah, and he still gets to go to, like, events and, like, yeah, remind like... people that he's alive. But I guess at that point, everyone there was like an apparatchik party member in that upper rank, so they'd all have to shoot themselves too. But <laughs> Yeah, mass suicide. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, the other thing I was curious about, like, and maybe you don't know this, but like, does, I feel like the narrative about the 90s is like, okay, economic decay, like America meddling, Yeltsin, like, not doing an okay job. Like, is the origin of that Gorbachev? Like, do people talk about the origin of that as being a Gorbachev? Or, like, there really is this kind of separation, like, okay, the Soviet Union's done. Like, we're on to this new era, and that's, like, what we talk about. And there's, like, this very distinct separating moment. Because no matter, like, to me, like, no matter how, like, jarring something is or how severely different things can be, like, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, like, the you can always, like, ma like map the thread, you know? What, map the thread to what? What do you Just, mean? like, I, I sometimes end up in this position where if things feel like, um, what's the word for, for, like, something that's 
like destined like teleological or something where like yeah you just go you go one year back and you're like okay well what happened in 2019 occurred because of the things that happened in 2018 and the things that happened in 2018 occurred because of the things that happened in 2017 and like it feels like you can do that with any massive world events where like oh it was inevitable because he was like opening up the economy and like removing like centralized power in some sense and that caused people to realize that they had potential to be quote free so like they riot and then it just like it does feel like things go to some sort of end yeah no but but like the aesthetic or like mental leap between the soviet union and like a capitalist russia is so severe that like do people talk about that bridge in a way that's coherent people talk about that i i like i follow you and then when you get to the question i don't follow you i mean i think that the bridge between garbatrov and yeltsin yeah because like it wasn't just like oh suddenly like yeltsin's president like there were and the documentary does kind of glaze over this like there were things that were happening years back that led to that break happening yeah i don't like by theories of the fall of the Soviet Union that blame it on perestroika and glasnost. Okay. Like by any means. Okay. I don't personally think that that is like legit. I think that that's like a pop history theory or interpretation. Yeah, like too many like, Adidas tracksuits. Yeah, they just let in all the freedom and then everyone realized they were free and the Soviet Union just fell. <laughs> it's like that's not what happened. Um, and especially what we always remind ourselves, which are these are the same motherfuckers who were there before. <laughs> From so, the dawn of time. Yeltsin, it's yeah, like linen yeah, in disguise. These, yeah. These like crusties, they were there. Yeah. Like, okay, Gorbachev's a little bit younger than Brezhnev and then the three other guys who died in oh, a row. God, but, the like, Brezhnev thing was like funny, but also very sad. I, I didn't know that he was like completely demented at the end. Yeah. And like... Yeah, Garbatro was younger and stuff, but this, like, whole, these guys, they're just, like, another clan in the same yeah. mafia or whatever. Yeah. So, Yeltsin also. So, Yeltsin, I think, well, first of all, there was a particular vibe, at least I know a little bit about, in Petersburg. I mean, I know a little bit more about that than in other parts of Russia. There was, like, a difference in the early 90s of, like, people being or at least some people trying to, like, make some kind of democratic structures work. Mm -hmm. That's where Subchak was. You mean Subchak's father? was right there. Subchak's father, you mean? Yeah, Subchak, I mean the father. father. I would have said Ksusha. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's where, yeah, like, Putin's starting his career. So he's, like, trying to mouse his way in. He's already there. Yeltsin and yeah that's a different like if we believe Gessen <laughs> but actually that that the things that were happening in terms of political organizing and like public uh gatherings in which people were voicing different opinions and stuff like that that was happening in the early 90s I I think as far as I understand that was like unique and new at least we're ta- in Petersburg for example or Moscow but you're asking if there's a through line not if there is there a through line because there clearly is but like is the way that it's talked about like when people talk about the 90s is like is Gorbachev like inherent in that conversation no I don't think so I think I think Yeltsin is the main 
person to blame for the economic crises of the 90s. And it just like, and I think people overall feel ashamed about Yeltsin. Mm. Like he, like Brezhnev, I mean, <laughs> not like Brezhnev actually, but he also had either a serious drinking problem or some other problem that made him incoherent in public. And I think it's really painful for people to yeah. see that because it was like the first president of the Russian Federation. Mm -hmm. Gorbachev was the first president of the USSR and only. Um, and, you know, it's like people did elect him the first time. Then the second time when he started to lose it, when like America had to come in and like rile things up to make sure he got elected again. I think that's also how he's remembered. And then when he deteriorates rapidly, it's just like that's the legacy. Yeah. And plus the economy being shit. Yeah. So people's, I think, it's not that they're blaming Gorbachev, but I think that Gorbachev is also often negatively seen for, for as what I already said. Yeah. The the dissolution of the Soviet Union is like kind of a crazy thing. And I think what lends to the like tragic nature of it is that in other cases where you have these like really intense overhauls of a political system, even if it turns out to be like fruitless, it's because of like some form of revolution. And that's not the case really here. Like there is some form of revolution, but it really is just this like, it really is a dissolution. It just like, splinters away in this like kind of uh it, it must be more intentional than than is let on but it feels somewhat unintentional like a bunch of accidents lined up together to like make this thing happen and there weren't yeah but in the end it's men signing things to make like things not state owned sure but there had to be like some amount of public support or like discussion to make those things happen in the first place not that like people were like rah rah rahing for them but there had at least enough people needed to not care so that they could do that yeah and i think I, but i also i mm, i just don't know if there was any power structure set up for people to like express this yeah. whether or not they care yeah and there's that and then there's also the tragedy of what was done with that. It's not necessarily tragic to um, dissolve state-owned institutions, for example, but then... But it is if there's no actual, like, coherent replacement for Alternative, yeah. yeah. And then what it was replaced with, like, oh, it's just a free market, like, catch as catch can. And it's like, that's where the like, oligarchs came Yeah, in. like, everybody come pick this thing clean. Like, literally everybody. Come one, come all. Or just, like much more sort of not mob mentality but i would say like crime mentality a lot more like people using brute force or like coming into a place like this is the kind of stories that people tell of like in the 90s of people coming you know if you had a gun you could go and like take over a factory and every there's like no rule of police or law or yeah. like control in that sense Ugh. and you've just spent like at least on a state like propaganda level like the past hundred years like with this kind of like coherent message about the people and like suddenly that the reality of that is like blatantly not true yeah though i think that that wasn't so shocking for people in the factory like situation i think everyone who's in like any kind of management situation knew about the sort of like or were involved in a a circle of you know, like all businesses, like favors and 
corruption and just like relationships and that's how things work already and they worked like yeah. that in the Soviet Union too yeah. but coming in with a gun and or people like working in a factory and getting paid continuing to work and getting paid in the thing that the factory produced <laughs> that was fun or like fucked up. <laughs> you so, get 1,000 basketballs yeah like plates <laughs> get your plate it's like i made this (laughs) so it's yeah i mean i don't i don't at all have like a full grasp of what life was actually like but yeah i'm trying to to see the tragedy of the situation was also just in terms of implementation or lack of implementation of something yeah after and like that's a huge you made a huge mistake. <laughs> uh, the movie ends in a I guess maybe we shouldn't give it away in case people want to see it, but the movie ends in a very Russian way, which I thought was nice. I'm trying to just jog my memory. You can cut it out. It's, it's at the very end. He's like sitting at his desk. I think uh, the translation, and maybe this was wrong, oh was my he's God, like, I'm going to sing a song. Or he's like, I'm going to sing something for you. Yeah, I feel like you maybe said that. Is that but something that people say about po- about reciting poems? I, I'm trying to remember if he actually said, like, I'm going to sing, but it just, I don't know. It didn't seem wrong okay. to me. Yeah. And then, other yeah, and then he just recited a poem. Wait, who God, was, was it again? So Lermontov. Oh, yeah. Also, I didn't know that Lermontov was, like, no years old when he died. Yeah. He did a lot in his short life. It, Wasn't he, like, 30? It, he was born in 1914 and died in 41. Wait, no, that can't be. No, no, no that can't be. 1814. Okay, well, yes, if you're, uh, I'm sure it's playing in like most cities around the US, but if you live in New York, it's at Film Forum multiple times per day, so check that out. And yeah, it's, it's, it's worth seeing. We recommend. We officially recommend. Yeah, I think Yeah, no, I think it's worth seeing. Okay. Unlike other movies. <laughs> Unlike some other movies that shan't be named. <laughs> yeah, it's just... That's the episode. Thanks for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter and Telegram at She's in Russia. Sign up for our monthly image based newsletter. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> monthly. Oops. Um, the, the spring is really throwing us, but we're going to get back on track. Fear not, folks. Um, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash she's in Russia. And that's it. And we'll see you next week. And we'll see you next week.